This episode of Back to Work is brought to you by Flow. Flow is a beautiful new task management app that makes working with your team a breeze. Create tasks, manage projects, and delegate work to your collaborators, all from the desktop, your phone, or any web browser in the world. No syncing required. You can learn more about Flow by visiting getflow.com. That's G-E-T-F-L-O-W.com. Our thanks to Flow for supporting 5 by 5 and Back to Work. Hello, Echo. Hello, Echo. Fox Drive. Bravo, Charlie Golf. Can I go can I go live? Whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. Why do you even ask me that, Dan Benjamin? Who do who do I have to blow to help you understand that I am ABC? A B Always be closing. I'm having trouble with Strong Bad. Strong Bad won't let me upload. Hmm. Hmm. Always be closing. Do you get problems with Strong Bad sometimes? It should work. It's zip. Never have problems with that. Huh. Do you have a legitimate FTP or just this flimsy web page you use? No, I use uh, the I use the Panic's lovely transmit application. Was, was Strong Bad? Yeah, it's all huh. I ever use. I just got to put my credits in there. I'm good to go. Hmm. Is that like a dot bat? <laughs> it's yeah. It's a it's a batch file. That's How do you right. pronounce that? Dot exe. Dot exe. Exe. I always said hmm. exe. I know. I knew kids that said exe, but exe. That, not, that sounds, not my that sounds not my flavor. No, not your flavor. How's your, how's your closet? Tight in here. Mm. I was trying to describe very it to my awkward. wife. Very awkward. I want to just be clear. My wife is not really that interested in anything that we do, but I was <laughs> trying to explain that you Ironically, really... my wife is only interested in this show. Mm. Is that still true, Dan Benjamin? Does yes. she still listen to it? She, she enjoys She to enjoys listening to the Squidward show sometimes, but this is the yeah. main one. But next one's going to be a doozy, huh? <laughs> Did you see the video? You saw the video. I, I, what, wait, which video? Pat Dryberg's video about preparing for the Johnson. Oh, yeah. Set. Uh, OS 10 Lion review. Classic. It's in, it's in show notes for this week, and it is unmissable. Not least because he looks a lot like Zach Galifianakis, like a sexy Zach Galifianakis. Can you say that? Is that even legal? Is I'm that like glad that I, shrimp, that I jumbo shrimp or military intelligence. What? <laughs> how Dan? Can you tell me a little bit? I, I don't. Want, I know you're very uncomfortable talking about how bad your situation is right now, but people have no idea. Can you describe where you are and exactly what it's like right now? Where I am right now, I am. Yeah. Uh, I'm standing in a, uh, I guess it would be about a, maybe a seven foot high, uh, six, maybe seven foot long, three foot wide space, also known as a closet. You've got a depth, you got a depth of three feet. Depth, yeah. Depth of okay, three here's, feet. Here's the thing, Dan. I think when we say that you're standing in a closet, a lot of people are imagining their mom's remodeled closet. No, this is this is very no. much a closet in a what is probably a 1940s, 1950s bungalow-style house. Clothes were smaller then. Yeah, oh, the clothes were a lot smaller, uh, which means they're average size. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people understand that you're, you're like, so if you moved wrong, you might hit like a shelf, or yes. your, head, your head might hit the bar. Yes, and I have, I have brought two, what I guess, barstool-style chairs into the closet with me. One has the computer that I use to connect your call and also do the audio streaming. And the other one is what actually records the show. And, uh, that's the setup. It's dark. It's fairly dark in here. Cause I don't like the lighting that they yeah. have provided me. I have the mixer. The mixer is sitting on the, uh, on a printer box. There's cables going all. I have another cable that goes because it's, it's ill-advised to stream and be on, do Skype things with uh Wi-Fi if you're recording them. So I have a, a hundred foot uh, Cat Five E cable going from this laptop across the house 
into the airport base station that I brought, <laughs> which is in the other opposite end of the house, which is where that, that goes. So there's a cable running through the house, which is really good if you have a three-and-a-half-year-old. Sure. They don't want to touch cables or anything. They don't think it's a game. They can't trip till they're four. <laughs> and it's, it's a little stuffy. It's a little warm mm. in here. Uh, yeah, that's what it's like. Mm-hmm. I, I think it has some OSHA problems, Dan. I think, is that a bar stool with a back or is it a classic kind of... It has a back, yeah. It, okay. It's not really a bar stool. It's like a bar chair. It's, you know, taller, but uh, it's plastic. I think it's an Ikea thing. Everything is from Ikea here in this do, house. Do you leave everything set up? Is that a, Do you just walk in, you walk into your closet and you're good to go? Uh, no, I don't. I Well, the only thing, I leave most of it set up, but the MacBook Pro is also my main machine, so it, right. it comes out of the closet, so to speak. So to speak. How about you? Oh, What's your situation? How's your private office up in uh, San Francisco Heights or whatever? Uh, I live in, uh, yep, we recently moved to San Francisco Heights. What is that? Is that a real place? <laughs> no, no, it's not. Everything's Heights here. There's 27, 28 hills here, something like that. And I got, I got, I got a Captain America glass. Captain America glass. You hear that? Listen. You hear that? I do. I dropped in a little bit of um, my water, lemon, lime. Sounds like Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> my private office is nice. I got a microwave. Do you still have that Buddha on the, the desk? Let me check here. Wait, let's see. Yep. I'm booted up. I got, uh, let's see what I got here. I got my Captain America glass. I got four Marvel glasses at Target because I'm 12. I got uh, now half a can of mixed nuts. You should see, you man, you should have seen... You should have seen my breakfast, Dan Benjamin. What was it? Eggs, bacon, nuts. Yeah. Coffee. No, no, keep going. Keep going. I got the Mandalay Slam. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I, I, I need to find out the prov- provenance because that could be one of those Nanking kind of things. Wow. I don't know. It's not good. I had, it was, uh, it's two eggs, two bacon, uh, two linky sausage, two, two squashy sausage, and ham. And then I got a side of ham with it. Wow. You're making now, me see, proud. I'm trying. Okay, well, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm avoiding. The worst thing I've done so far is a, a bunless, two bunless uh, Angus third pound things from McDonald's because I was satisficing, right? I had, to, I had to find the middle path. I knew if I didn't eat, my sugar would get weird, but I also couldn't wait to have artisanal meat. So I satisficed, and so I'm still on the path. Anyway, my office is nice today. I got a new microwave. I love the thing. My, uh, we talked about this a little bit. I think we got extensive FU today. Oh, correct? yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, did you see that? Do you know who that David Sparks guy is? You ever heard of him? D. Sparks, yeah. Yeah. Didn't he invent spark lines? Yeah, that was him. That was him. Tall and skinny. He's got a service mark on that. (laughs) He looks kind of like a Tolkien character, but, you know, with a a JD. Yeah. Is that what they call a JD? That's when you get a law thing, right? That's not the nurse one. That's LPN. I don't know. I got a new microwave. $55 for a microwave. Very much to Marco's point about microwaves versus regular ovens. $55 out, out of there. Boom. What are you microwaving in your See, office? that's the thing. That's the thing. If you want convenience food, you know what you're going to get? Glutens. You're so right. So I have to start bringing it from home. I haven't read the book. Which one? Mark Sissons or Rob Wolfs? Oh, I, I, I definitely haven't read. Is he, is he the, he's the primal guy? Yeah, Mark Sissons is the primal. No, I, I glanced at his uh, PDFs. But uh, the Rob Wolf book, you know, it's a. T- I'll tell you what, Rob Wolf's book is great. It is a little bit of a tougher read though than Mark's, as far as intros go to this. I did a screen grab of the first page that really mentioned what you're supposed to eat, and I think it's chapter eleven. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it different approach. A different because I slugged through. At one point, I was like, you know, I just had to get in the bathtub and flip.
Yeah, still. You know, the water's cooling, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm still on, like, uh, you know, what you'd eat in a cave. But it's good. It's good. How's your I week? Get it, I get How's it this week? time. My week? Oh, good week. Good week. Uh, I got nothing to get through. It's a good week. I've made my peace with the world, Dan. How's your week? Oh, good. I don't know if it's that good. Well, I don't want to exaggerate. Oh, man, the seltzer's coming back on me. Hang on a second. <laughs> oh, um, boy, that fires back hard. I've gone through two of those little skinny ones in a week. I think I got a problem, Dan Benjamin. I think the UN should look into these soda stream people and what they're doing to us. That's, she, she shouldn't have that many bubbles in a week. That's not right. <clears throat> good week. Good week. Well, why has it been a good week? Um, it just feels like it's been a good week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I feel, I feel good. I don't know. I don't, I actually had an idea for a topic, so I don't want to get off, off the topic, but I had a good week. Yeah. I'm punching the man right in the balls is what I'm thinking. Hmm. It's a ball punching week for me and I feel good about it. Well, we, we do have a lot of FU. We do have FU. And as a, as a pre-segue, I'll just say that I thought David's, we'll talk about this in a second. Uh, the FU we're talking about is, uh, last week's episode, which a lot of people seem to like, um, came down to the question of, in my words, and I think your words, is can you start a real business while you're, you've got a job? Yeah, more or less, that, does more not or mean, that does not mean can you have two jobs to feed your kids. <laughs> it means can you start a new primary business while you have another job? I think that was not what a lot of people took away from it, and that's sort of the FU, but it might not be bad to also... Let's definitely talk about David's thing, because it was addressed directly to us since we did mention him, and I thought he made some really great points. But what, Do you uh, want to do David's first? Let's do well, this first. Let's say, let's lay some context first. Is that I, how did it start out? It started out as you for once uh, getting a pair and disagreeing with me <laughs> and saying, "Is that what they call it? A pair?" I'll look that up. It, we can have, put is, that in the show. It's a clutch or a murder or a wrench. I'm not, I'm not sure what it's. It's clutch is two. And you said, um, you know, you don't think you can people can do it halfway. And the example you used was trying to write a great iOS app that's going to make you a lot of dough, right? Uh, as opposed to, quote-unquote, writing, whatever that means. Uh, something where you really do have to dedicate time and really think about things like resources for support and stuff like that as well. The un- I think what you were, if I could speak for you, you were getting at the kind of hidden costs in terms of time and attention um, and how you could be drawn in a million directions. And there were a couple of people on Twitter who made really, I think, fair comments. One guy in particular said, I can't believe you know Dan Benjamin thinks I shouldn't have two jobs to feed my kids or whatever. I didn't see that one, but that's not what I meant. I mean, that's not what it's I meant. It's not what you meant, but I could see why he thought I that. I can too. I can too. So let, then I, tooted, I tooted my response, which was, I summarized everything, in my opinion, of what we said as, well, I really specifically of you saying, um, if you don't treat your job like a job, um, what did I say? It becomes a stressful hobby. Mm-hmm. I saw that. But, but you should do your FU because you've gotten a lot of notes on this, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of people emailed, a lot of people uh, tweeted, which is great. I mean, I lo- we do this show because we want we want that kind of feedback. So I thought it was great, first of all. But I think I miscommunicated what I was trying to say, obviously. What I was trying to communicate was, and people people would cite things like, well, look, look what 37 Signals did with, with Rails, for example, was, was one of the things I heard. And somebody well, else at, said— Look at every episode of this show where I say it doesn't hurt to try a little bit. On right. And so what I was saying wasn't don't have a side project. I was not saying that. I wasn't saying don't do whatever it is that you need to do to feed your kids because that's obviously important. What I was saying was kind of much, much more specific and maybe a little bit more basic than that, which is— if if you look at the things that you need to do to make something truly successful, typically 
one of those things is that you really need to focus on that. You need to prioritize that and you need to put that thing first and foremost in the space that you call the things I do. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean you can't have a family life or you can't have uh, a hobby or whatever. But what I'm saying is if you want to make something all that it can be, you want to completely devote yourself to that to get there. You need to. And the fact is I know a lot of people who say, oh, I can run a side business. What I'm saying is that's not really a side business. It's a a money-making project. Uh, and, And you'll never really see what the potential is for that money-making side project unless you really devote yourself to it. Uh, And that doesn't mean you can't make an iOS app in your spare time. Of course you can. And of course you can make money with that. But what it winds up doing is creating, if, if you really are trying to do something with it, if you're really trying to make it into something big, I was proposing that it, I don't think that it makes sense to, to really try and do that. If you really want to take that thing and, and make it more than just a potentially money-making hobby or side project type thing, that all it's going to do is create additional stress and confusion in your life and distraction in your life. And that if you really want to prioritize whatever that thing is, or, or rather you need to really prioritize whatever that thing is to make it uh, – reach its maximum potential. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Or am I just making it more confusing than I did last I think week? everything you're saying was in there. I just think the the more emotional message that came out was, you know, if you half-ass this, it's not going to be good. And so implicit, I think, in what you're saying even now, that really came through last time, I think was the sense of... Um, well, I mean, in my words, you've got a pie, right? The pie, the, you know, it's not a question of how much pie there is. It's a question of how you slice it. You're never going to have more time or attention. And so if no matter what you spend your attention on or your time, that means other stuff that are not getting your time and attention. Yeah. And and so I think, you know, it's funny. We talked about diets. And I remember back in the days when I was doing that Atkins diet. And they'd say, look, it's not complicated, you know. It's fat, carbohydrates, protein, and water. There is no fifth element. <laughs> no matter how you do it. So if you're eating snack wells, that means you're eating a crap ton of carbohydrates, you know, unless you just start adding water to all your food, you're going to have to choose whether it's fat, carbohydrates, or protein, or some combination, right? It's, it's an engineering problem, right? There's only so much. And what I heard you saying, and I, I think I, I heard this anyway, maybe just because I like you, but I, I heard you saying, well, you're really, you think you said specifically, there's a phrase somebody, a bunch of people quoted on Twitter, which is, you know, you suck at your life, you suck at your iOS, iOS app, you suck at your work, right? I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the problem is that, that pie, those can be some really mangled pieces. But it's Because you've got to dive in. That's what I, that's how I believe it. For something to really, really take off, I feel like you've got to dive in. And, and all of the things that people were suggesting and saying, well, this person did this and look at it now. Well, at some point before it is what it is now, before it became that – they yeah. made a decision, and people were even saying Marco, co-host of, uh, co-host of uh, Build and Analyze, they were saying, look at Marco. He was a Tumblr, and, uh, and, and, and look, he did this – Insta- an edge case. He did, he did the Instapaper thing on the side. Well, there's – I have – and, and now look at Instapaper. Look at the success it is. He's doing that full-time now. Well, so let me make some comments about that, and I haven't talked to Marco about this, and who knows I was, I was just about – yeah, I want to comment too because, I mean, that guy is, that guy's an operational genius. Right. So he, he is – a lot before – he's very much a ready-aim-fire guy. And, he is, and he's not – I mean, by all means uh, – he is a success story and absolutely atypical almost across the board. So we'll, we'll say that. And forgetting that for a second, 
I, I would argue that the things that he's doing with Instapaper now that it is his full-time thing are, are so much better than the things that he was able to do before while he was deeply focusing on Tumblr to make that the best thing in the world, that it, it went from being a side project that made him some money and brought him a, a great degree of success to something that now I actually think Instapaper and users of Instapaper are, are benefiting greatly and much more so now that it is his full-time thing. That that's true, absolutely. But how can I put this? Oh, gosh, there's so much I want to say about this, and I don't want to interrupt you. But no, you're not. I gotta do say, it. Let's well, I gotta say one thing, which look, is that, this is your show, so well, do whatever. God damn, I'm so angry. Get a drink here. I don't know. Um, here's the thing. But even when he was doing that, even when he was working on Tumblr and building that app, think about two things. First of all, his scope was limited. He did not try to introduce everything that he has now introduced. He did what he could. Right. Right? I mean, and but more importantly, second and much more importantly, he didn't he never had a magic wand. Marco never had the wand of Brooklyn. He never had some special thing that you don't have access to. What he had was an extremely clear-eyed vision of what he could do well. And so And you within know, the time constraints that he had. Too. Pre- precisely. And that's I think that goes to both our points, I hope, from last time, which is in, on your case saying like you're not gonna go now now what if what if Marco had decided to do a kind of half assed job of all of that stuff? Well, then he probably would have been let go from Tumblr and he wouldn't have a great app. But I guess I just want to really be clear here. I I, I it's so repellent to me, this this constant mantra about how like some people have this special thing. Well, they don't. They're just making sacrifices you're not willing to make yet or not able to make yet. And that doesn't make anybody good or bad, but as a really lame excuse to constantly look at every every case in the world and act like it's some special exception, or you know you you didn't have access to what they had, or you don't live in Brooklyn, you don't have a cute wife, whatever it is. Like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know why you're not where you want to be. But all I'm saying is like Marco is an extremely good case of that. Look at his on your episode where he talked about the um, the FBI seizing servers. taking his stuff. Yeah. Well, this is a guy who's thought a lot about scale. He's thought about support. Talk to Buzz Anderson someday about supporting like whatever he had, a $5. Remember that app he made? Buzz Anderson made that really cool app for getting your songs off your iPod. Oh, yeah. And it was great. But he charged, It was like, like the only way to do it. Yeah, but he charged like two or three bucks for it. I mean, it was very, very inexpensive. But go talk to anybody who has one of those. So, so okay, well, here's what I'm trying to get at, and then I'll shut up. Maybe, you hope. Um, you get this idea in your head that this is all bits and bytes. So now you've got the same dumb idea about this that every bad client has, which is because it's computer stuff, it's easy, and anybody can do it. Oh, it's, it's computer stuff. All I got to do is go get a copy of Xcode 4.2. I'm good to go, right? I'll just, I'll just go through, slap this together, put it on the store, and I'll retire on my Angry Bird, right? Okay, well, how about all the time <laughs> it's going to take you to polish that on multiple pl- – and don't even get me started on trying to do this for Android. I don't even know how you tune something for Android. It sounds mind-boggling to me. But let's say even if you just want an iOS app, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of releases. That's a lot of testing. If you're going to have something like Marco, well, Marco's got an iOS app and he's got storage. He's got to deal with that stuff. He's got support. What I'm saying is it's not as simple as have a good idea, move some bits and bytes, and become a millionaire. Like that plan has to constantly grow and expand with the way that your business is growing and expanding. Exactly. And, no, and exactly. So that goes to your point about, well, you know, before it comes to become successful, you're going to reach this fork in the road where you're going to have to, and, and let's be honest, I mean, there's going to be a time when you're way under-resourced for the demand, right? And that could be something like, God, think about, was it Maycheck and uh, Pinboard? He just woke up one day and Delicious <laughs> was going, what's up? Right. If you go read what he wrote about having to deal with that, 
that week. It's a fantastic overview. If you're a nerd, it's unmissable just by what he had to do with the scale issues. But like even when stuff happened, like his when his server got stolen by the FBI, like he still managed to keep everything up. He just shut off some of the services. And if you like, he satisficed. He did what he had to do. You know that term, Dan? Have you ever heard that term? Satisficed? Satisficing. I, I first heard it in Steve Krug's book, don't make me think, but um, based on my two minutes of research, it goes back way further than that. <laughs> so it's actually a term from the 50s, but uh, it was coined in the 50s, but it is, according to the internet. Um, it's a combination of suffice and like satisfaction. And so it's big, it kind Did of- Did he make that up? Who? Is, uh, we're Steve Krug, because if you, if, yeah. you, if you have a word that's cool and you want to get it out there, it's really easy to say that it came out in the 50s, even when it 1956, didn't. Herbert Simon pointed out that human beings lack the cognitive resources to maximize. We usually do not know the relevant probabilities of outcomes. We can rarely evaluate all outcomes. Uh, and so, bounded rationality, something, something. But it's this idea, uh, oh, this is interesting, cybernetics, that's an interesting book. Satisfy, satisficing is optimation, optimization where all I think all you're thinking costs. of Dianetics. No, no, no. I think you're, I think you're thinking of that, uh, that movie where he moves the computer with his hands. What's that called? Electric Dreams. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's by the people who did that fascination song. Satisficing is optimization where all costs, including the cost of the optimization calculations themselves and the cost of getting information to use that, are considered. Um, anyway, I, I, I just, for some reason, I'm thinking about that word a lot just because it satisficing, because it gets, gets to a lot of what we're trying to talk about here, which is mm, the classic arc on our show, which is trying to find the best path for now. You know, you can't inoculate yourself against all these bad things that could happen, but all, you still got to keep moving. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure if that jives to what you were trying to say. But it takes a really clear-eyed, um, in addition to hard work, in addition to a good idea. And believe me, guys, it takes way more than a good idea. <laughs> Implementation is so much harder than thinking. It's really, really a lot, a lot harder. And so I don't, I don't know. I think there's lots of ways we can get to a practical component of this. And um, but I, I just wanted to say I, I didn't think I, uh, for what it's worth, as your co-host and best friend, I did not take that as you beating up on people who were trying to do something modest to get started. Personally, I didn't, I thought it was the opposite of that. Well, I they, you, I, I'm I'm glad you you're you're saying that because it means at least one person understood that, and that's talking, what I was that's what I was trying to say is that is it simply it was almost more of like a uh, uh, an f f y well, I love that term today f y i. At some point, you're going to need to come. You're going to come to a crossroads, and you're going to need to make a decision. And the decision is: Do I take this thing which feels like a hobby and maybe is kind of making me some money, and do I take the giant leap to devoting myself to that fully, uh, or do I put it to bed and say, you know what, this could have been something great, but I'm going to keep these golden handcuffs on and stay in my yes. job. And that that was the emphasis. That was what I was really going for: is that you're going to hit that crossroads, and do you do you dive in and take the leap of faith? Uh, and and try to do this exciting new thing, or do you do you realize that it's going to consume your life? Pretty likely, uh, uh, trying to take that thing to the next level and also maintain the status quo in other areas of your life. It's cumulative. In other words, like you know what I mean. It's like organic yes. chem. Like you yeah. you don't you don't forget everything you learned the first week of organic chem. No, you're going to need to know it probably even better by the end of the year. And with this stuff, yeah, you need your fundamentals in place. You need a good idea. You need to do something. Um, there's that email thread. I don't think you participated in it. You just blew it off. I emailed you and you blew it off. I can't believe that. To our, to our friend, uh, who shall remain nameless, uh, what did I say? I said, uh, I said, given our usual mojo, I suspect it's easy for a lot of people to find Dan's approach to be a karma suck. But... Uh, oh, I read that. Yeah, you know, 
He didn't send a funny picture after it. So I know you didn't read it. <laughs> Thing is, most people, this, I'm quoting myself here, the guy's uh, Merlin Mann is his name. Thing is, most people who've actually tried what Dan's arguing against versus what it may seem like he's arguing against and somehow eventually succeeded will agree with him. So I'm going to guess that all those 37 signals-esque, unquote, um, I'm going to guess that all those 37 signals-esque success stories that everybody thinks are as easy as having a white webpage, uh, I think a lot of those people would agree, oh my gosh, we sure did have to work really hard on this and not do other stuff. Um, and I, I, I want to make sure we talk about David's post because I think it's super relevant to what we're talking about here. And it gets straight to, if you like that cranking thing I wrote, Dan, David's going through that, his own version of that right now. Yeah. Like everybody does. And I thought his post, did you get a chance to read his post, Dan? I sure did. Did you, uh, so you're familiar with David Sparks. Have you heard of that guy? I've heard of him. He's, uh, has mm. a little show that had you on the show, I think. I'm not familiar with his work. He's, uh, so he wrote a thing. I think he posted it. I want to say today. Your name's Dan? Yeah, go ahead, caller. Okay. All right. Sorry. First time Sparker. Uh, he wrote a thing called Juggling. One more blog post with a gerund. I think that's going to be my thing from now on. A present participle? Something? Something? Juggling. It's a gerund. Um, gerund. How do we... Uh, a gerund. Gerund. That's kind of a foxy word. Gerund. gerund. How, do we, uh, how do we summarize this? We should call him up and get him on the show. That'd be, he'd be a good guest. He'd be a good guy. He's writing right now, probably, and that's the whole point of this. He he calls out the fact that, in particular, we um, you in your in your jokey uh, Dan Benjamin way, um, we're talking about how he was. What did, you, did you call him superhuman? <laughs> is that the phrase you used? Did I say that he is? I used him as an example of somebody who was trying to do the two things because yeah. he is a very busy lawyer and he's and he's writing. doing a book and he does shows. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, let's be honest. Lawyers don't really work. Not really. No. No, no, no. I think they just, you know what? I can't get those guys mad. Yeah, Michael Arrington's a lawyer. Did you know that? Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Who, knew, who knew? Yeah. I had an idea for the redesign of their site, site uh, where it would just be M.G. Siegler stuff. So I would redesign it. <laughs> Paris Lemon. They call him Paris Lemon. That's then all good. The other, that all was the a good stuff. one. That yeah, was a well, good one. That would be the first cut of it. We'd have to do some uh, flows, a little bit of IA. But my, my thought would be that you take all the things by M.G. Siegler and then you don't have the other stuff. And that... Would be the crunching. So he starts out uh, one word, full paragraph. You know, here and here. Ouch! I'm doing a lot of things at once. Am I torpedoing myself? Uh, you guys should read this yourself. It's really good. It's at maxsparky.com. It's also in show notes. But I, he's, he comes back to saying that he totally agrees with what you're saying because he's going through. I don't think he put this in so many words, but what he's doing this month, this is his last big push for the book, his iPad at work book, the follow up to his wonderful Mac at work book. Um, and he's having to push in a way that is, I don't know, if it's anything like what I went through, it's pretty superhuman, you know, what he's trying to do. And we had a phone call uh, like a week or two ago to talk about some stuff. And, you know, I think it's hard. He's having a hard time. Not a hard time that he won't be able to handle, but right. it does mean, as he says in his thing here, that means saying no to tons of stuff and B, kind of being okay with that. We should That's, do a show on saying no. How do I respond to that? So what did you think of his thing? You tell me. You know, I thought he brought up some really interesting points. And, and I think the overall emphasis that I got, the one word I would use to sort of address his post overall is, that, is the word struggle. And it really is. It's, it, it inv he kind of expresses what's involved in trying to, to balance these things and the uncertainty uh, or doubt 
that you experience when you're going through this, where you have to, even prior to taking that giant leap of faith to say, this thing that was a hobby might actually work if I were to just quit my job prior to that. Because I don't think he's thinking about quitting his job. I don't think you can even ever quit being a lawyer. You can be disbarred. It's like the mob. Yeah. Once you're in, like you're practicing law all the time. Right. And I think for him, it's he's not he's not contemplating. I'm not speaking for him. It didn't sound to me like he was contemplating quitting. He's not quitting his job. He's not quitting his family. Right. He's not quitting. And he's his not book, quitting but, his book. But Dan, think about think, think about your private closet right there. Now, if suddenly, let's say your lady comes in there and puts in a bunch of boxes and a fur coat, and, and your son comes in and like shoots some shaving cream in there or something or whatever right. he does, but pretty soon that thing's gonna be pretty full. It's gonna be pretty hard to breathe. If you've ever been in a space that is full of stuff, there is not a lot of room to move. Literally. And I think that's what Dave is describing. That's what I was kind of trying to describe in that cranking essay. Um, and it's as much as you'll Such never tell anybody. Essay. Such a good uh, essay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Did I but tell you kind that of, I cried it, a little bit? You cried a little bit at the beginning. You didn't cry at the part I wanted you to cry, but you cried at the dad part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but that's the problem. Is that well, And also just one little note along the way. He says here, yes, he is juggling right now. But there's a difference between juggling and trying to juggle everything. Like I can juggle three things for a couple seconds, but I can't juggle nine things. And just because I can juggle a little doesn't mean I can juggle everything. That's not a nuanced distinction, not in the least. Just because you can drive doesn't mean that you can, you're good at driving 150 miles an hour. And I think part of the, the skill of that juggling is knowing you can't do it forever and eventually you will drop stuff. If you, if you just try and juggle one thing, that's how you start juggling. You start juggling by throwing one ball in the air. That's how I learned. And then you throw two. And I never got past three, but I can, you know what I'm saying? Like you're going to drop stuff eventually because it's juggling. And I think what he's saying here is that for the month of July, he knows that, that he is very near capacity in every sense. And in your case, if your closet was suddenly filled with stuff, you would not have a lot of room to move. That is very stressful. When you're in a small space and it's full of fur coats and shaving cream, that's very stressful. I'm just saying, I paid a hundred bucks to get that once, but, um, no, I didn't. I never been in New Orleans. I don't know. But you, wait, you've never been in New Orleans? Is that what you just said? Never mm, been? Oh, no. Never been, you know what? I, let's not get into prostitution. That's just, that's, a, that's what they call it the third rail. You know what I'm saying? However, I'm still not interested in picking just one, he yeah. says. Maybe I'm too gutless to jump, but I don't think that's the case. Emerging from this rabbit hole, I realize at this point in my life, I couldn't imagine myself giving up the big touches or the little touches. I'm not willing to jump on just one thing. Because I'm enjoying several things way too much. My life is more enriching now because of all the things I do. In other words, I intend to continue juggling. And how, how much is that like getting a business that suddenly becomes successful? Well, when your business that you've started on the side starts really picking up, well, then like you, like you said, I thought very, you know, sanely, you're going to reach a certain fork of the road and say, well, am I going to put it all, am I going to keep, am I going to put more into this to like keep it alive? Now, I've been trying to avoid saying this, but, but do you remember the David Siegel um, books in the, in the nineties. Oh, Remember? those are the ones with the rabbit and the duck. Yeah. Those are really good. <laughs> or is that the, the one duck. with the whole group of rabbits that live in the one place and they have to go to the other place and big wig? I think you're thinking of the, uh, one morning in Maine guy and the make room for ducklings. Is that what you're thinking of? I'm Where talking about he the says, guy, the uh, guy good... who did, um, designing killer websites and what was his famous one? He had these two, two books that everybody read. And there's this one graph, you can know what I'm talking about, right? He's the high five guy. David Siegel, you remember him back in the day? Yeah, David you, Siegel, sure. You can hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear this. Go ahead, caller. Okay, thank you. Thank you, first time Siegel. So is, this, is he the one who's like, good night, princes of Maine, King, kings of New England, or whatever? Is I think you're thinking of Iron Giant. Okay. I watched that this morning. 
No, here's the thing. Uh, this is like it was in the very early days. I think I don't know if he invented the invisible GIF trick, but he was one of the first. Major oh, right, where you make you you would put a, an invisible one pixel by one pixel GIF file, and you could use that, stretch that out to position oh, yeah. things and size tables, and that was like the ma- if you knew that magic trick, that, man, that you were a tables. web developer. No, it was Archimedes. He said, "Give me an invisible GIF and a table, and I can design any website <laughs> with a lever." I don't know, Dan. But he had a graph in there that has stuck with me since probably 1996, 1997. And it's the, I haven't read this in years, but it was something like the challenge of the boutique web designer. Okay. You know, where you're above a one-person thing, but you're not really like a company company. Say you're the like, you know, two to five person group. And he showed this, this thing that we've all, once you've seen this, you'll really recognize this. But imagine a graph that's just kind of like up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And it's the problem of staffing. It's like supply and demand within a boutique. Like in your case, Dan, by the time you're staffed up with everything you need right now, well, hopefully it'll keep growing. But there's a chance you might have thin months, and you might be way overstaffed for the amount of income you have coming in. Now, this is really true if you've got like a design firm, because if you're bringing in enough people to do stuff like, say, production, you know, when you're a one-person firm, you one limiter to what you're doing is like how much you can kind of keep in your mind. And you know, if you're the only person in the company, well, you're not going to have 14 clients right now. That's not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? But if you're doing this stuff where you've got a little bit of business development, you've got a little, you've got design, you've got, um, you could have content strategy, you know, and you're certainly going to have production people. Well, you might suddenly find yourself, you might be like the construction industry, you know, <laughs> where contractors are always paying, using money from their current gig to pay off previous gigs. Right. That can really happen inside of an agency too. Is, is this making sense? To me. So you go, you go out and you're a one guy thing, you start a thing, you and your partner, whatever, you get like three people and suddenly you have this explosion of new work. Well, now you've got all this new work coming in. You've gotten the down payment maybe, but you certainly haven't gotten paid for all that stuff. Now you've got to go staff up. You might even bring in like a half-time production person, somebody, you know, whatever, to do the, do the uh, final coding and the graphics and stuff like that. Well, then that person, they'll say, oh, gosh, we're so busy now. We'll go ahead and hire that person. And we better go ahead and hire an assistant too. Well, then in three months, when that work is done, there's not as much new work to account for how many people you have on staff. Do you know what I'm saying? That's where capitalization comes in, where you've got to have something that keeps you going through the times when the new work isn't there. But, but I think that's, that, that represents a problem that it's certainly a problem that small companies face. I think every small company faces that. And it's why thin margins are you know, such a bitch for small companies. But I think it's really true for, for one-person organizations too. Let's say, let's say you're like Machik. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The pinboard guy. And <laughs> suddenly you wake up one day and like, do you remember how many like thousands of signups he got in one day? It was... Mm. Wasn't it, wasn't it, it was pretty crazy, right? It, well, it was a mass exodus from pretty much everywhere else to, to him. In well, one, us, uh, us day, I wasn't, I don't know if I was day one, but I think I was in the first month of Pinboard users. We have known for quite a while now that Pinboard was a vastly superior product oh, yeah. to Delicious. Because he said, basically, look, first of all, I'm going to make Delicious, but better. First, I'm going to make Delicious like it used to be. And then I'm going to make it better. And then I'm going to make it better. And then I'm going to make it better. And he, had, he was the Borg of features. Like he did everything that Delicious could do or they'd stop doing well. Plus he added stuff like, I mean, you use it, right? Yep. Automatically yeah, sucked. I, I wasn't one of the like early, early first day users, but I think I got it within the first two weeks. Yeah. It was pretty cheap when I got it. That's like, the other thing is every new user raises the cost just a little bit to join, which is great. brilliant. Brilliant. But... But there's no way he could have been ready for that. I mean, people at Google will tell you that as far as scale stuff, I guess it's gotten better now. But even at Google, they don't, I mean, like you guys talked about on um, 
I guess on the Gruber thing about how you know trying to limit the number of invitations that go out for Google Plus. I mean, they're still they still they want that to be snappy. They don't right. want you to notice that that goes down. You know, Matrix got all this stuff going on where you can download all your old bookmarks as like a. He's got a lot of features on his site. I guess what, what I'm trying to say is that I think these you could just think of it as the issue of scale. It feels really easy right now to go into Xcode and start slapping some view things together and, and making, a, and making a, a, an app. And it could be really great. But that's, that's barely even step one. Yeah. There's so much more downstream. And the part that will make or break you is how you handle those scale issues. When you are really, when it's not just a matter of like you have more than you want to do and your girlfriend wants you to go out to dinner with her family, boy, believe me, buddy, that is going to be the least of your problems in a year. When something goes wrong, uh, a dot revision of OS X comes out that kills some feature that you had. Or for that matter, maybe you would make up, wake up one day and you get Watsoned. You wake up one day and suddenly the main feature of your app has been subsumed. I, I'm not trying to paint a, an ugly picture here, but I'm saying it's certainly not as simple as having a good idea yeah. and you know, hitting build. There's, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and I think what David's getting at, though, what I take away from what David's saying, or maybe just what I believe, is that you can do almost anything for a while. My daughter could run on a curb for a while, but she's eventually going to fall down. <laughs> it's my job partly to let her run as far as <laughs> she can before I'm pretty sure she's going to hit a car or no more curb. You right, know, right. we uh, in the month of December of last year, as I wrote, I mean, I, I, I was a low point for me just because I, I was tapping into a well that was just so dry, but I had to just keep sucking the cracks <laughs> for any moisture I could find because I was driven. I was driven to do what I had to do, but thank God I finally said I can't do this anymore. We should come back to the book at some point. But, but I mean, for me, that was a point where I went, you know, I could be in this position forever. If I yeah. let myself, I could be attempting to juggle these 11 things forever and letting them all drop. And I just can't do that anymore. And I think what David's saying is, you know what, I'm going to power through it. I'll make it through this month. But it's certainly not the way that I want to live. And because he likes so much about things like, say, his family and his regular job, he, that really helps you raise the shields a little bit when it comes to saying no. Even for good stuff. And that's, that's the really hard part, and that's the that's fine for Dan and Merlin and David part, I'm sure. But getting to where you're turning down a lot of good stuff is maybe not a bad goal for the next five years. I actually find that, that it's a, well, that's a great point, and I think it, it reinforces something that your comment earlier made me start to think about, is that even within a business or a company, there gets to be a point where it's not about specializing, but it's about actually doing less and doing the things that you do better within an organization. I mean, as a company goes from being one person to a few people to a bunch more people, the people who typically are joining the company at that point and the people who are higher up, they tend to have deeper specializations later on in their careers within that organization than they did perhaps when they were starting out. When you start out and it's your business, you're doing everything. You do, you do everything from taking out the trash to invoicing to whatever the main work is. And then later on, you know, you see people who are in these CEO roles or whatever, and they're sort of, they're, they're working their craft at that point. They're not, they're, they've eliminated distractions by hiring people to handle those distractions. And those people typically enjoy those things and don't see them as distractions because they're specializing. And you're actually reducing that stress and reducing that distraction by uh, focusing on a craft and focusing on, on a specialization, even if your specialization might be 
understanding all aspects and how they fit together. You're not having to necessarily do all of those same things, right? You were kind of touched on that earlier, but I wanted to tease that out a little bit. I'm thinking about it. I think I think so. I, I can't decide if this agrees with that point or is um, a compliment to that, but I'm also just thinking about... Oh God, I wish I still had a memory, Dan. Um, somebody was talking about different companies. Do you need to lay there. down or something? Are you? I right? think I think I think I do. I think I need to get some more seltzer. Oh God! So our sponsor this week is Squarespace. We should talk about them, right? Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan, and this is this is one of the luxuries that we have doing a show that is as amazing as this one is that uh, we we simply uh, get the best sponsors in the whole world, like Squarespace. We've been really lucky. I said Very this, lucky. I said this to somebody the other day, and I'm going to regret. Saying. Very lucky. We've, we've, we've. Every sponsor we've had on the show is something we actually literally use and like a lot, and already recommend to people. So you know, yeah, we're getting money for it, but like so far, <laughs> I'll never mention when this stops being the case. <laughs> but it's really cool that we've approached the people that we wanted to do this, and Squarespace was very much one of them because. Uh, they're 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 just they're doing something a lot of other people try to do, but they're doing it in such a polished way that it just it puts it on another level for people who are serious about having an online presence. Do you know what the downside of Squarespace is, though? What have you met these guys? The downside is that you have to host everything yourself. They won't. They don't do that. Oh, you got to get in and get your own uh, Linux and, and install. right. You got to get your own virtual machine sure. or hardware. What kind, of stack, what kind of stack do you use for your Squarespace install, Dan? Stack, is that called a stack? Yeah, that's sure. Lamp. Yeah, I use Camp. I use uh, Cantaloupe, Apache. No, you don't need any of that, Dan. You don't need the shared. You don't need the the exclusive. You don't need the VPSN. You don't need any of that stuff. You just type a couple things and you got a website. It's unheard of. And what, you know what? The, the other bad thing about them is that yeah. if, if you suddenly get linked up by John Gruber, the site will go right there. It'll go Bury right Bury the needle. Not true, Dan Benjamin. Not true. This place is made out of scale. They got scale out the wazoo. The neat thing about Squarespace is as simple as it is to set up and use, it is extremely powerful under the hood. It really is. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a Swiss clock. It really does run extremely well. It's got the scale. And uh, what I love about it is um, it's hard to explain. I wish you guys should just go sign up and look at this and see what I'm looking at right now. Well, don't sign up for my account. I've already got that one. Here's something I'll, t- I'll, I'll interrupt yeah. you because this is something ahead, we've, never talked about. <laughs> we've never talked about on this show before. And this is something that I always see that people always ask me, oh, how many you know, page views does HiveLogic get or 5x5 or, five five or whatever? And, I, you know, I, the answers to it, I don't really know. I mean, I certainly know how many downloads we get. But as far as page views and things, I don't know. And that's because, well, I got to go into Google Analytics. I got to look at the thing. And I just – I don't sit there and, and pay enough attention because it's not all in, in one place. And what I really like about Squarespace is that they give that to you. There's so many people who – I don't know if it's an ego thing or what, but they just mm-hmm. – maybe it's part of their work. Maybe they need to know because they have a campaign and they want to check performance. This has it all built in. Real-time visitor analytics is built in. Page rank tracking is built in and, and tons of other stuff. And it's real-time and it's all there. You don't have to install anything. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to configure plugins or add-ons or anything. It's just right there. You just see it. You just have it. It's right there. It shows you. Did that guy from uh, Belgium just see the homepage finally? He did. And I knew it. <laughs> I love browsing hosts. Yeah. The dirty little secret. It's true. It's true. And it's... And, um, what I like about it is uh, I haven't had occasion yet to do any of the um, 
what do they call it? Uh, collaborative stuff where you can have members. But there's all the stuff that you can get in a lot of different places. They're doing here and well. It's not hard to find a blog that'll let you have more more than one post, person post. But this has things like you know sort of levels to what what people can do, what they can see. You can uh, protect pages, and I mean, I, I yeah, you can do that with a lot of different things. But but this all works. And you don't have to ha- you don't have to stick it somewhere and 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 take care of it. It's not like having a pet rabbit. You, you just get the thing up and running. And you're absolutely right. It's it's hard to explain until you've gone in and really looked at it. But this control panel is just the sexy. And uh, everything you could want that you usually have to go to ten different places for you get right here. There are no uh, extensions to keep up to date. Um, and I mean, just from talking to them behind the scenes, they, this is not in what they told us to say, but they have put an extraordinary amount of effort into making this really solid and stable. And, and it really shows. Um, but it's got the features too. Anyway, we can't go on about it, but uh, I want to talk about that, uh, that page. We should talk about this next time. But the, uh, the ability to go in and create an, an object, you can go in and create a thing where it's either a journal or it's a page or it's a widget. It's just, it's so easy to use. And, uh, so what do they do? What do the people do? They go to squarespace.com mm-hmm. and they do we have a, a special thing? That's right. You can go to squarespace.com slash back to work. Just one word. And, uh, and the code that you can enter in, I believe you have a code that will give you 10% off your first six months with Squarespace. And that is back to work seven. Seven because this is the month of July, the seventh month of the year. On the calendar. That's, a, that's the exactly that's exactly right. And then for so for six months, you'll keep it longer because you're going to be very happy here. Merlinman.com is uh, is is based here. Uh, the fact that it's not updated very often has nothing to do with Squarespace <laughs> and everything to do with me. Stuff like you know FAQs. I kind of like my FAQs just because they make it really ha- easy to have a section called FAQs. You don't have to do any hacks. You just go and you say this this is a section of FAQs and it goes okay. Well, here do some questions and answers and then organize them. And that's all there is to it. That's it. Boom. You're done. Um, it's the best. Uh, squarespace.com uh, slash back to work. Uh, hit a couple buttons and you got a website. Do you, is, should we give that to them officially as a thing? What? Well, just that, just that hit a couple buttons and you got a website. Yeah, that could be their slogan. You are the ad guy. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Hit a couple buttons and you've got a website. That's, that's, that's pretty tricked out. Squarespace! <laughs> <sighs> the action is not good. You don't get that on other shows. That's all I'm going to say. <clears throat> that was a nine chord. You know what a nine chord would cost you in New York City? It does sound like the action is too high. <sighs> Man. So what other FU do you have for this week? Mm. <sighs> I've been trying, struggling to get my head around... Uh, some effective, salient fu from that last episode because I've, I've been thinking about it a lot too. I, I really, I want to be clear, like you, I want to be clear that I like when people say things, uh, whether they agree or disagree. I'm happy they're talking about the show, and I'm happy they're listening, and they're happy. I'm happy that they see enough uh, that they see enough of themselves in this to know whether they think it's true or not. And I don't say that every week, but I want to make sure pe- I, people know that. Like, uh, this is, yeah, it's a one-way thing because that's the way podcasts work. But I really do want to know what you think. And if you think it's BS or you think it's kind of BS or you think it's true or super true, like, I want to know that too. And I think there's a, I don't, I don't think there's anything to apologize for in what we said last week. Uh, but I think it's worth a, a, what did I say, a reframe, you know, to talk about how some practical components, components for, for 
Well, what does it mean, right? I mean, that's kind of what I'm trying to get at, Dan. When the rubber meets the road, if you are somebody who is not in a position who hates, maybe hates their job, maybe loves their job, maybe has a little bit of extra time in dough, but doesn't have all the time in the world, if you're not at the point, let's say you're not up to the fork in the road where you decide whether this is your thing yet, what would you advise to people who want to move out in that direction, whether that's an iOS app or writing short stories or whatever it is? What, what would you see as a sane path to, to juggling its scales? Wow. Is there a sane path? Are you answering my question with a question? Yeah. Am I? <laughs> oh, are they? I don't know, because I think that's a really good question. It and is. Is the there an answer? As much as I, I just kind of don't care about hypocrisy like I'm supposed to, I really took the note of people saying, well, that's really at odds with what you said in a lot of the episodes. And when I went back and listened to it, I, I could hear very much why people would say that. I think that's worth addressing. Is there, not in terms of our being consistent, but in terms of saying, how does this square against reality? You know what I mean? Because there isn't a magic wand. You know, maybe we should pull in Marco and David on this. But I'm just saying there is not a magic wand. There must be some way that, uh, and again, in some ways, this brings us back to Heraclitus and Parmenides, right? Or Zeno, Zeno's paradox, right? About, you know, you know what? I'm not going to get into the Greek philosophy because no one cares. Uh, but obviously, something has to change. At some point, Marco or Jason Fried or whoever went from this place to that place, you know, there wasn't teleportation involved. Um, maybe, maybe let's start with the very most babyish of, of baby steps is, um, where do you actually really, really start? Let's say you want to start that iOS app or you want to start something. Let's put it differently. Maybe you want to start something that becomes a business. You want to bootstrap a business. Let's even say you're Dan and you're willing to go all in on making this your business. But another way to ask, is it, is it better to ask, how do I put a hundred percent of myself into this new enterprise and still make a living? Is that another way to put it? Or do I need to be capitalized in such a way that I don't need to earn money? Do you, do you know what I mean? Do I have to borrow six months of income right. in order to run this? Do you understand the question? Because there's got to be some way, unless you're independently wealthy, I, I knew a guy that independently that, wealthy that can start a business. I knew a guy that worked uh, and saved money. I don't know whether it was for six months or a year. And then quit his job and lived off that money while he built up a new business it didn't go as well as he was hoping it would. So he had to do some more side work, but he would do like a month of, you know, of, of, I guess, consulting work or freelance work or whatever the, the term is, you know, he'd work for somebody else for a month and then he'd spend the next month working on his thing. And the next month he'd work for money until it got up to the point because he, he didn't feel like it was possible to give it a hundred percent if he was doing work uh, for somebody else at the same time. And that gets even further to the point of what you said last time of being all you, you, all in was not your words. That was my words. But, but he was he was all in one month at a time on but, different things. But but is could there conceivably be a better way? Well, I think I think I think your objection last week. I'm sorry to make this all about last week's show. I, I don't want people to think they have to go listen to that to understand this. But I think you started out saying when I well, the question that you asked that started this off was something like, "Does that mean doing it halfway?" You know, something like that. I was talking about, I forget what I was talking about, but, but you're, the way this all started was you were saying, well, does that mean that you should go try and do like kind of a half-assed job of starting a new business, for example? And so, and that's what got us into this discussion of, well, do, do you need to go in 100%? Can you still have a you know, job and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? But I guess what I'm saying is like, if you were, just for the sake of argument, to think about this in terms of capitalization, and you were to say, well, either let's say my wife's going to go work overtime so that I can go do this, 
or as what I'm saying is it's more than just asking VC or angel money. It could also just be thought of as what would it, what would it take for me to spend a hundred percent, hundred percent plus a hundred percent of my working time on this completely unprofitable project for right now. Right. Cause, cause okay. So implicit in what all of this, all, all of what we're saying is that there's certainly almost not going to be instant money from whatever you're doing. Certainly not the kind of money that you would make at a jobby job. Right. It's not like you're going to go and flip on your blog or turn on your iOS app and I mean at least not for not 99.9% of the time. Okay. So is one part of starting that new business doing the homework? I mean, how much homework should you do on what it's going to cost to capitalize it versus just jump in? Well, you're a ready aim fire kind of person? You tell me. I mean, what what would you advise, Mr. Smarty Pants? For me, I I feel let's like go, okay, let's go five by five. Let's go five by five. How did you? At some point, you must have said, "This is going to have to make money for me. If I can't go make CMSs in my private office, I'm going to have to make money somehow." <laughs> right. That must have gone through your mind. I don't want to be too mercantile about it, but that must have gone through your mind at some point. Definitely did. And for me, there was uh, it was interesting because I was at a point where I had left a, a job that was wrong for me, and I was wrong for. And I was doing that sort of freelancing and consulting work alongside a number of podcasts that I was doing. And I said, you know, th- doing these shows, this is what I've always wanted to do. I I never pursued what I believed was my ideal goal out of out of college. I actually changed my major away from radio TV because I was essentially convinced by people who had been doing it for many years and were very successful that it was the, the probably – you know, I'm talking about traditional radio, uh, that it was a, a place of misery for most people. <laughs> so I decided not to do that and, uh, you know, and instead did the stuff that I did over the years. And when I, I, I looked at it as an opportunity, I mean, here I was, I didn't, I didn't have like a job in the real sense. Uh, so really, I had nothing to lose in in the sense that I was doing consulting work. I was working with other people. I was doing some some screencasting and 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 writing, you know, CMSs in a private office, as you say. <laughs> uh, and I thought, you know, if I try this thing and it doesn't work, then I might be set back a few months, uh, which would really suck. But I could recover from that and uh, I knew that I would be able to continue doing development work and other things and maybe get another job if that's what what it came to. Uh, Or I could try this thing and, you know, I figured, well, you know, I've got a a two-year-old kid and the economy's, you know, really bad right now. This is the perfect time to take this risk. Uh, But I did. And, you know, I I happen to uh, have made it work. And... I think a lot of that is is because of the work that I put in in the 17 or 18 years leading up to that point. Mm-hmm. If I had tried it a year earlier, I doubt it would have worked. If I tried it five years earlier, I doubt it would have worked. And maybe if I tried it one month earlier, it might not have worked. I think timing is very, very important. And I think it's really hard to plan for this kind of thing. I mean, if if you're sitting there struggling, trying to say, should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I give up this stuff that I have? And then you look around at the the economy the way it is, which, yeah, it's better, but... It's, you know, who knows where this is going to go. It, it's, a, it's a really, really tough decision. I don't know. I can't give anybody advice about that. Can you? Mm. Can you? I'm not talking. And, you know, in a sense, this is, this is the justification, I think, that or the, that's the wrong word, justification. This is the feeling that people have when they say, 
well, I really, I, I, I am making some extra money with this so-called hobby, and and it is fine. It's fine just the way that it is. That you know that kind of thing. I really understand that line of thinking. That's what I did for for many, many, many years. I was not in a situation with Five by Five where it was, do I quit my full time job and do this thing that I really love? It was, I'm at a crossroads. I have no job really. I have sources of income, and I one of those potential sources of income is something I really, 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 really think uh, would be great, and the other one is something I know I've been, I I know I can do, mm-hmm. and I picked the one that I didn't know I could do, uh, <laughs> and and wound up here, and so I mean, you know, there's there is part of that though, part of that is that challenge and that uh, taking that that uh, harder, more challenging path for something that, that you believe you're like, I might've hated this. I might've hated doing these shows. I didn't know I'd never done, you know, two, three, four shows a day, five days a week. I'd never done that. Right. But, but the elements it lined up with what you historically enjoyed doing. And at least on the face of it, it wasn't, it was a nice change. Right. And it was stuff that, that it didn't make you turn up your nose just to think about it. Right. So that's, that's a good start. Hmm. I haven't really thought this through, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, it's interesting how few people, um, won't accept a job at a company because they're not sure what it's going to turn into. What do you mean? Explain. Mm, that's why I'm still thinking about it. But but there's this there's this built-in thing of like, oh, when you say well, some I, people, do you just mean you? Well, okay, let's let's understand. I understand. I, I read the papers too. I know that the, econ- the economy is not good. I know there are people who are um, having trouble getting jobs. They, there are people who've been out of work for years. I'm I'm not going to have a comment on that apart from saying I know that that is the case. Right. But to me, that's all the more reason to to consider that. I wonder. Oh God, I don't even want to open this can of worms. Oh, I know where you're going. I don't. Well, I don't let's want... look at it this way. What is it you want out of a job? Okay, I get it. You want money. Everybody wants money. Well, some people want money by playing the lottery. Like some people want money by investing. What you want is you want money fast and you want money consistently. Right. right. That's why you get a job. You get a job because you want steady money. Right. You want to know I where did... it's coming from, when it's coming, and how much it'll be. Right. And that's certainly like a fantastic reason to want to get a job. Right. That's not a bad or, thing. It's not bad at all. But not everybody that, can be Merlin Mann. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hopefully uh, not walk everyone can be that. You. I don't think mm, mm, Trust me. Mm, you're a snowflake, special snowflake. Mm, Unique. Mm, Very special. But it's it's interesting. Colin, <laughs> 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 you are. My business paper. <laughs> you liked that, didn't you? Oh, kill me. Did you um, like? Did you like the kind of paper that it was? It's hanging. It's hanging on our refrigerator. <laughs> Tell the audience what this means. Tell the audience. Do you want to hear ahead. this? No, it's like it's like explaining a joke, which is exactly what you'd be doing. But you made a hilarious Big Lebowski reference when you sent me something. It was very funny. Okay, cut that out. I don't even. I don't even know how to get my head around this concept, but I'm going to try. Um, sometimes things, uh, th- ideas become like furniture. There are some ideas that are so unassailably true to everybody in every situation, all the time, all the time, and all the time, right? That, that, that just becomes just conventional wisdom that is not to be flouted because then, you know, you really, you really risk getting your ass kicked if you question the conventional wisdom, even if you're doing it in a way that is meant to be constructive. And I think what our show is doing, like if our show were here to say, always do the safest thing you can and assume that you're going to be... Uh, a failure and it isn't worth trying well that would be a really different show than what we're doing this is a show for people who are curious about what's going to happen next with their life it's for people i think who are a little bit of an unformed piece of clay or wish they were 
And they're looking for an opportunity to figure out what's something different that could make them, what? Feel happier, feel more connected, feel more genuinely in touch with the life that they'd like to have. Mm. Not in like a self-help way, but in a way of like, no, I'm, I'm a grown-up and I want my life to be a little cooler. Uh, that's what I would like this show to be about. So that's, that's just in the service of saying, it's funny to me that like, People, people will, will be so ground down by not having a job. We still have to do that episode, by the way, how not to get a job. I still have to do that episode. But it's just weird to me that there, there's the, most people I don't think heavily weigh the opportunity cost of taking a job or having a job. Um, setting aside stuff like having to drive there and have dry cleaning and you know having to basically give up a third or more of your life to that thing. It's just funny to me how that has remains such a conventional, obvious, clear thing that you have to do to be a sane grown-up. And I, this, is, this is a little bit, this is the last time I'll say it, but this is probably going to be kind of that's fine for Merlin, but I'm going to go there. I think it helps to take a much larger step back and go beyond how do I just want to make steady money? Because the problem is that money may not be steady for that long. If you go into a job, well, if somebody, say, say you're out of work and somebody just offers you a job and you, you take it. Well, what, what do you, have you really done your due diligence on that company? How do you know they deserve you? How do they, des- mm. they how do you know that like, even if you were there, let's say you're going to be there for a month, you're going to be there for a year, you're going to be there for five years. Do you trust that company to now be the daddy for your destiny? Because once you're in there, man, they're going to utilize you. They're going to mm. find a way to use every second of your attention that they can. I did a talk a couple of weeks ago at a place. Can you, say, over- can you say it? No, I'd rather not. But it's a really well-known giant company. And uh, I mean, it's a, it's a subsection of that group. And one of, I met this really, really cool woman there. And she's now, we'll have to parse this for sanity. But what she's saying is that, that after an acquisition, she's now doing what a team of eight or 10 people used to do. And so now basically her entire job is a stack. She's got a stack. And stuff, people put stuff on the stack. And she just does what's in the stack. And then she tries to go home and not cry. And that's what she does now. Like, I'm not, again, I'm sorry if this is a karma suck thing, but you need to take two giant steps back to understand what I'm really trying to say here. I'm not trying to say don't get a job. I'm not trying to say fly in the face of the economy. I'm saying grow up. And if you can, ask yourself in context, what is really my best overall decision right now? Now, for her, she understands this group. It was just like they've been beaten with reeds. They were all just, their spirit was so broken because they're doing the work of a huge number of people in a small group of people. They're under-resourced. They're underappreciated. They're under everything. And I found myself just saying, like, I don't even know what to tell you guys, except that wallets don't make money. You know, you're, if you're not, if things aren't going well right now, like, I would not expect it to get 100 times better, even though I've been here and talked to you. <laughs> like I, I don't know what to tell you like at a certain point it's just the wrong job and it's just I guess the, the deeper thing I'm trying to get at is that I don't think people I, I, I don't think it's really bred into us to take a big step back and be completely egotistically self-centeredly what about me in saying what do I really want to be doing here and like what what is really going to be more dependable for me in the long run? Because the real risk might be jumping into a job because it's the fast first job you can get. Right. And then having it take three months before you realize that it was a terrible thing. You're totally stressed out. I mean, and, and where, where, where do we get this mythology that somehow working for yourself is that much more work than working for somebody else? Yeah, you certainly have to pay. It ends up being very costly financially uh, in terms of you know, benefits and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just, I'm just saying, I think... That's a big arc that I think we should look at and not look at it as a pie in the sky, four hour work week thing, but as a real thing. 
and and that's what made the last episode kind of hard. It's what's going to make this episode kind of hard. Is I think this is where we separate the the jokey podcast talk from the really serious application in life stuff, which is that n- none of this stuff is, is 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 as simple as just making this one decision. There's something much larger going on here, um, and it's not even as something as easy as well. Here's the life I want to lead. W- what I am saying is that. If you think about all the things, at least for me, where I got forced into doing something else along the way, it's amazing how often the thing that started as what I didn't want to do ended up being the best thing for me. Meaning that all of my judgment and what I thought I knew and what I was afraid of and what I felt capable at, the world didn't care what those things were. Things just happened. I got repotted a bunch of times. And frankly, it completely freaks me out that the total randomness of chance brought me better places than my best decision-making. That's harrowing to me as a 44-year-old. Wow. I don't know if you feel that way, Dan. Gosh, I you're think, old. I didn't... Never mind. I'm, oh, I'm extremely old. I've had two BMs just since we started talking. <laughs> Big one and little one. <laughs> Big Joe, little Joe. <laughs> I think that's pretty huge. Because... I mean, and here's the thing. I like, like, the, I like your uh, the potted and repotted. I haven't heard that before. I'm struggling with this idea because I'm going to need to really think about it. I don't want to sound like a jerk and I don't want to sound like I'm being one of those go quit your job guys. I'm not saying that, but I do know a lot of people. I can't believe how many people I encounter uh, who are still looking at Craigslist to get a job and who are still looking in the paper to get a job. People, and like the more desperate you get, the more painful it becomes, the more your own self-esteem is just in shreds, the more you question whether you're capable of anything. If somebody came along and, and offered you a job as like, you know, as, as, you know, as an, as an organ grinder's monkey, you take it and go like, here's my hat size. Because you're, you're so strung out and you need that money so much. But I think that can really cloud your vision. So whether you're thinking about starting a new business or trying to get a job, it's never going to hurt you to be creative about asking yourself well, what it is you're really looking for here. Mm. Because you may never see the pitch that's coming to you if you're trying to find it on Craigslist. I, I, I def- if you think this is incorrect, you can tell me so. But I don't think there's ever been that many great jobs somebody got from an ad. Because if you've ever worked inside the companies that place that ad, you would know that if that was a good job, it would never have been put in the paper. If, that was a good, if you have a good job at XYZ Company, right, at Hudsucker Industries, you've got this really great job in the mailroom. Well, if that was a really good job in the mailroom, you know who would have taken that job? Somebody else in the mailroom. Are you with me, Dan? Right here. If that job was really, really good, it never would have gone into the paper because somebody else would have wanted it. That's a job that nobody else in the company wanted. Right. That's pretty that, grim, though. It's reality. That's what I'm trying to hear. But here's the thing is, I mean, every, I feel like we constantly parse ourselves. Every time we try to say something that's difficult and real and sounds fancy, we parse ourselves when those are exactly the things that need to be said. Because people are not saying that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a job. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't do anything. I'm asking you to take a giant step back and, and ask yourselves these kinds of questions. And then, but because the thing is, if you're going to sit around and go like, well, how do these other people get all these things? Well, they're not finding the key to their uh, happiness on Craigslist or somewhere. I, I encountered somebody really cool uh, a couple weeks ago who's looking for a job. She's had a really hard time. She's like, yeah, I'm Craigslist and looking at ads. And I was like, man, I would just not spend any time on that. I would go to the five people in the world who love you the most and make it really clear to them exactly what kind of job you want. And she was like, I, I mean, I've already told people I'm looking for a job. I was like, yeah, but do they know like exactly where you want to work? And do, do you, have you approached the companies you really want to work at and try to learn about that company and then go from the inside? Because 
A, that's your best way to get a job. If you've, you, Dan, we've talked about this. Hiring people is hard. Very. Just hired, just hired my first uh, five by five employee. Hey, huzzah! Very but exciting. Hard, right? Big step. Big step. What I'm trying to say is, think about it from if you if you really really want a jobby job, and it's it's probably the thing to have. It's the best thing, right? It's really dependable. It's great. Well, anytime that I've ever had to do any hiring, it's amazing how few people ever said I really want this job. It's amazing how many people come in there and they have clearly not tuned their resume for that job. Wait a minute, different resumes for, yes. You should have a different resume for every place you apply. It should be different. And it should, it should be based on like what you've accomplished and what you can offer rather than like what awards you got from who's who among American high school students. Nobody cares. <laughs> and also, I don't think that many people have ever gotten a job from a resume. You know what I mean? I, I, think, I think resumes are what you leave behind, but I don't think resumes get that many. Dan, tell me, is, is that crazy talk? You tell me. No, I really, you know, there's this whole culture that kind of surrounds the whole cover letter resume process. And it's so entrenched in an ancient world. It's always interesting because nowadays when I see companies that are hiring for developers, they don't want to see a resume or a cover letter. They want to see, you know, which GitHub repositories you are contributing to and what your code was. You know, I think that's right. a, a very interesting, very modern way to to look at it. If you're hiring a developer, what what projects were you on? What work have you done? Where's your code? Is it out there in the open? Because if it is, then that means you're the type of person that would fit in with our community, for example. And and you know, that is a much better indicator than this thing. But I'll tell you, when I put out the APB that I wanted to hire somebody, I got so many hund- hundreds of responses. And you know, you there were so many of them that, as you're saying, not only weren't they tuned in or, or adjusted for this position in any way, but it was clear that they didn't even know who they were applying to, you know, what they were right. applying to. They they saw a position that vaguely fit something that they did. And yeah, they they're, just, it, they're just throwing coins in the fountain. Right. And that well, wastes, that wastes their you, time did, and my time. Did anybody FedEx you uh, a large oil painting? God, unfortunately not. If somebody had FedExed you an oil painting of, of them working with you. Sort of like that drawing somebody did. If somebody had sent you something really memorable that yeah. showed they did some research to find out where to FedEx a giant oil painting to you, would that have caught your attention? For sure. Right. But instead, they sent the same resume that they've been putting on every site in the world, and they sent it to you, and now like you're the dick because you didn't hire them, right? Right. Like You would be astounded how the tiniest little bit of extra effort that would include if you want a job, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, if you want a job, that's, we should talk about this. There should be a separate episode. Should if be. you really we, want a job. Let's, let's journal this, diary it, and we'll do a tongle. Right. We should probably talk about our sponsor. We have yep. yet another sponsor. We have yet. We have yet. We have yet another sponsor. Uh, it's, they're from Canada. Are you familiar with Canada at all? Mm-hmm. It is uh, Agile Bits, and they have a project, uh, product called 1Password. That is probably one of the greatest things in the whole world. You are a current 1Password user, is that correct? I am. I am current 1Password user. I just used it. Even while we were on the show, I had to check really? something that required a login. Yep. Oh, I am a, I am a, uh, a viral 1Password user. I love it, and I can't stop talking about it. I am the wire guy uh, with 1Password because I really want everybody to use it. We talked about it before. 1Password is an easy way to create, uh, generate, uh, store, and manage a large number of secure passwords. Um, let's go into some of the extra cool stuff about it, though, where people are going, mm, yeah, 1Password, I've heard of that. That's cool. Can I talk about a couple things uh, that we haven't talked about that I think are super sexy? Sickens me that we have listeners that don't use this. 
Oh God, don't get that. You ever, you ever heard of the David Sparks guy? You ever heard of him? Yeah. You don't want to get that guy going on the one password. He'll, uh, he's, it, he actually gets mad. He'll come out and he'll just, he'll punch you just, just straight right in the nose if you don't use one password. It's for everything. So what kind of things can you store in one password? Can you well, store password, logins? So I'm looking right now in my little side rail. So inside of one password, you'll see what's called the vault and that's all your stuff. I've got it's my uh, stuff. Like a, over a thousand logins. Then you also have things like accounts, identity, secure notes. You can put in your uh, credit card details so that they're securely stored in here. And when you go to a page and you say, oh, go autofill this on a web page, it will securely drop in your credentials for any of your cards. That's, you probably know that kind of stuff already. That's pretty cool. Did you know that you can drop an, have you ever dropped an app onto 1Password? Well, it it is the cool, yes. It is the coolest thing. Tell the people what happens. It's when insane. You well, there used to be like single purpose apps that do this. Some actually some really good ones. But if you drop the uh, icon for an application onto one password, it'll create a new entry under software where it lets you enter in date purchased, URL, license information, everything you need to know to, to manage your stuff. So if you have, you know, I do this also in, in Gmail. I, I automatically flag everything that's a license or a serial right. number, sure. whatever. But uh, what I've actually done is gone back in Gmail and pulled a lot of those out and put them into one password. Because, you know, it'll happen. You know, you bought that $20 piece of shareware one day, and then someday you're going to need to update it, and you're going to need that information. That's all in there. Just an area called Secure Notes. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say that. I use the heck out of Secure okay, Notes. Okay, I use mine. Well, let's, let's have a contest here. I use mine for my P.O. box. Yep. Credit card? That's, Would you put that in there? I put credit card under uh, in wallet. I put that in wallet right. with my, in the credit card section. What else you got in there? I have, I have things oh, I like perhaps... Something I wouldn't want the whole world to know about, maybe, but that that it doesn't really fit anywhere else. Perhaps you have setup instructions where you might want passwords included, things that you might type on a, on a command line or enter in, and some kind of script perhaps to set up a server that you wouldn't necessarily want public, but that you want to keep somewhere. You don't. You wouldn't want someone to see that. You could put yeah. this in. in How about notes. this, Dan? Um, you'd be a website and ask me my security question. Okay. What is your mother's maiden name? Incandescently. <laughs> okay. Yep. No, that's not mine, but no. you should have one of those. Yeah. Never answer with a real answer. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pick, pick, pick a stack of a few things. This, this is not what I tell us to say. This, this is not what they told us to say. How do they know but, if that's true, though? Like the company or the place <laughs> you're Go getting... and check on it. <laughs> Right. But then they know you weren't telling the truth. It's something on those ASP sites. It's always the ASP sites. They're the ones that are always asking you to go like, what's the name of your high school? <laughs> Nobody will ever figure that out. <laughs> that would be a good place to put your secret special word. What I would say is if you can, anytime that the security question is asking for a noun, give them an adjective. Because that's going to be harder to guess. That would be my tip. And that would be something you could put under secure notes. If right. you just in case you forget it, you could put your little stack in there. You know, you could put like whatever uh, science fiction authors or whatever it is you use for those. Um, okay, so last one. This is, my, this, is, this is really cool. And have you ever done this one, Dan? Go to your logins. Go to one of your entries, any okay. of your... Go in there now. Got there? Select one. Got it. Go to file and go to export selected. I have not done this. Password interchange file, text file, encrypted web page. Encrypted web page. Should I do it? Yep. And now save that. It will save it as 1password.html, but you can call it whatever you want. Save that to your desktop and give it a uh, access code. What I've just instructed Dan to do is to take the extremely securely stored information inside a 1Password entry, create it as an HTML page with a whole bunch of crazy jacked up JavaScript in it. You can now send... If you've got a password you want to send to somebody and that you're worked. A real, 
Yeah, and you're a real tinfoil hat kind like me. You can now send that to somebody and then under separate cover, give them the passcode. They can open that up securely and you're not sending your password in the clear. That's crazy. So if your lady wants to know- I didn't know this feature existed. That is so cool. Yep, yep. So that's all inside of 1Password. For those of you who have never heard of it before and you're wondering what all this bananas talk is, it means means you won't be using Spencil69 anymore for all your passwords. For the hyper nerds, this is a very, very polished app. Um, we're not even getting into like the ability to get get to this from any website securely, but uh, we we love and highly recommend one password agilebits.com. I don't think we ever got a code from Dave, did we? We should just make up a code and tell him to put it in. Go I Leafs. think, I think go, the code should be uh, Merlin. <laughs> I don't think there's a code. We'll have to talk to Dave. We'll but talk to anyway, Dave. Uh, we're big fans of one password. Agilebits.com. You can learn more. Very uh, very grateful to them for supporting five by five. I like how you worked some tips into that. That's why we do this, Dan. This is why we charge the big bucks because we only accept advertising from stuff we like. It's a good <laughs> motto. Good. Uh... <laughs> so what? A- what's Astrid. the homework? I think we should start. You remember the movie Fight Club? Mm-hmm. You know the first. Never mind. Yes, I've seen it. Okay. <laughs> you remember how in that movie they gave the space monkeys homework, and the homework was usually to do something terrible. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we do homework, but it's something good. <sighs> Mm-hmm. Something that's an actual thing, not just thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. What should that be? I don't know. I want to get to that. That's part B. Part A is I feel like I, I still feel uh, badly that I might sound fancy without being practical. So B should be practical. But I'm, I guess I just want to finish the, the one stupid thought that's going to dog me if I don't get it half right, which is that your work is more than your work. Your, your work is going to end up taking a lot of your time. This used to be optional. There was a time when you could have a job like my grandfather and, you know, clock out and go home. And he did not have to think about shutting off people's electricity until 8 o'clock the next day when he came back and he shut off people's electricity for eight hours. Um, really don't think you're going to get a job like that anymore. I think a lot of the myth, not the mythology, but a lot of the lore around employment includes – well, let me just talk. Let's talk about what a good job used to mean, right? A good job means you get a steady paycheck, uh, you get benefits, you get the respect of your colleagues for pension. having this. Could be a pension, could be a pension, sure, sure. But it's it's dependable, right? It's dependable. You know that part of what made a good job a good job was you knew you were going to have it for a while. Um, you were somewhat inoculated against uh, un- unnecessary bad change. Well, I think almost everything that defined a job as being good 25 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, I think almost all of those are gone. I don't know anybody who's going, wow, I wish I had more stuff to do at work. I don't know anybody whose benefits are going up instead of down. I'm just saying all of the stuff that, that once made employment this, this, uh, this beacon you know, the full-time employment for somebody else. I just don't think that that is the guaranteed path to success that it used to be. I, I, you know, my grandfather, as I've said before, had that same job for 30 years. I don't know anybody that's had the same job for five years anymore. Especially, I don't know anybody happy that's, that's done that. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to say that, like, gosh, do yourself a favor. Go out and get a job. That's great. Do anything. Do whatever you've got to do. But also, give yourself a break in the sense of, of, of keeping everything in context. And saying, okay, is this really about making a lot of money? Well, is this the best way to make a lot of money? Is this really about benefits? Well, is this the easiest way to get benefits? Because as, as hard as this market is right now, well, maybe that means there's never been a better time to be picky a little bit. If you're not going to get a good job easily, well, <laughs> I guess, I, I don't know. I just feel like it can be really easy to fall into something without evaluating the opportunity cost of even having a job. 
because you're not going to get to go do that cool new project. And when you can start out somewhere, it might take you three months to find out that 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 job is a piece of dog crap. I'm just saying. I don't know, Dan. Does, I don't know if that even makes any sense. I'm going to have to think about it and come back to this. Yeah, we'll revisit this. I think it makes sense. I think it makes some sense, but I I keep hearing the voice of like the single mom going like, well, you know, I, I've got a kid that needs medicine. I, I don't have, you know, I've got to go do something. But even as I hear that voice, I also hear the desperation of saying, I'll take anything. And as soon as you'll take anything, you really will take anything. And I, I think even as horrible as it is and as much as you need the money, you you need to find some way to operate from a position of strength. And if you don't give yourself permission to have that per, that position of strength, you know, it, like I say, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Hmm. You can be as desperate as you want, but you still got to be you. And that you can let its personality be subsumed inside of an organization as long as that's okay with you. But don't let it be five years from now before you figure out that that wasn't the place for you. And as fancy as it sounds to do your own thing, I mean, who knows? Maybe you could go work for less and have an internship somewhere for a little while. Maybe you could have that kind of job. Maybe you should, you should go teach uh, English in China, or maybe you should teach uh, Mandarin in America. But there, I know I've known people, like you were saying, Dan, who go and make a lot of money for a short period of time. You know, just remember that, like, when you have less to lose, or when you have you know more demands on you, in some ways, that's the best time to take a chance. I mean, it's when I've been most screwed that the coolest stuff has ever happened to me. <laughs> Now, why do you think that is? Just Because my rationality cannot be counted on to make the best decision. And I end up getting shoved into something new. And I don't know if it's a function of ADD or stupidity or public school, but I tend to come out punching late in the game, I think. That's a mixed metaphor involving sports, I think. <laughs> it's in the fourth quarter that I, my puck gets punched. I don't know why, Dan. I don't know why. But, th- okay. there are th- but if there are people out there who have gone through medical school and now are a physician and now they want to become a partner at you know, uh, some kind of a clinic or something like that, well, you've got a career path that's working out great for you and you probably don't need this podcast. But if you're somebody who is searching for more than just an excuse for why things aren't a different way, that starts with, well, a weird combination of being honest about what's out there but also just being relentlessly uh, cool with the fact that you're who you are. You know, and just really ask yourself, do these people deserve me? And if you really want to be at a certain place to the point of sending an oil painting, like, why don't you just, why don't you really focus on three or four places where you'd really like to be and just really let them know how you want to be there? Maybe you're doing that. Maybe you're doing that. I'm just telling you, Dan, how many, how many resumes did you get for this job? Hundreds. And like, how many really, 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 really jumped out? Ten to five. Even if you're going to a state agency where you're punching in a bunch of stuff to go into some system, you know, and it's true, like, you know, if you want to go work at, uh, like, where my wife used to work, you go in and you fill out this very standardized thing. There's no room for sexy and oil paintings in that. Like, it's, it's just a, a thing. But even still, can you, what if you went to somebody, this is not creepy, if you go to somebody that's in the department you want to work in and say, wow, it sounds like you guys have had a lot of turnover in the last year from reading the newsletter, and it looks like you, I know you're in that division. You know what I mean? Go do some research and find out. And if, if you think they do deserve you, well, then go prove it. Show, show, why, show why you have to be there. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Once you do that, I mean, gosh, you're really going to want to do that for yourself at some point, you know, when you don't have to trust other people to decide what the best decision for you is. I'm just saying. We'll come back to this. I don't know. I don't know if we're helping people, Dan. Well, you know, all that matters is you're trying. 
Is that all that matters? That's what my mom used to say. Hmm. Then I'd get a C in algebra. God, I wish I could have gotten a C in algebra. In summer school. <laughs> in a van down by the river. <laughs> Boy. You know who tries really hard is uh, Meta Labs. Have you heard of these guys? I have heard of them. There Are they, they Canadian too? No, they they have uh, it's a family of uh, 37 brothers named Wilkinson. Ah. So at least there could be more now. It's been a few minutes. Could be. But they, uh, see, now I know these guys because I've bought a bunch of their Tumblr templates, but uh, they have a new app called Flow, and you've seen this app, because I know I sent you, I delegated a task to you on Flow. You did. Well, you actually delegated a number of tasks that were all the same. Right, right. And so did you ever finish those errands? I did. Okay. This is actually uh, a pretty great app. It's, a, it's, a, it's a primarily a web app. Uh, you can go to getflow.com. And it is a, uh, let's read what the actual copy is from this. And then well, I'll they, they, basically, it's a task manager. It's a, it's it a is, task management combines... app. Okay, but it, it, it's a team thing. It, see, that's why this is hard to explain, because it combines the best components of like three or four apps that I really like a lot. Um, yeah, there's a really think... good video explaining it there. Have you seen that? Oh, my God. Go God, ahead. Who did, who did that video? Who did? Do you know the gentleman's name that did that video by chance? I don't remember who who did it. Was it Adam something? Yeah, yeah. Adam did video. Adam did Such video. a great video. Oh, God, I love that. Yeah, Sandy's so good. This is just an example of his work. So good. The guy is a genius. And every single person in that video, including Adam, is a Wilkinson brother. Did you know that? I did not. I did not. But what's mm-hmm. really, I mean, this is this is the genius part of this app, is that you on a very basic level, it lets you create tasks and, and keep track of the things that you need to do. That seems basic, but then you can you can dive in deeper. You can assign due dates. You can share files. You can make projects that organize all these tasks that you've created. Uh, everything can be tracked, so it doesn't matter what it is. It's not geared at, oh, well, this is just for this kind of project or just for – you can use it for keeping track of your home renovations. You can keep track of your uh, project at work. It doesn't matter, and – you can use it in your web browser because that's what the geeks like to do. You want to use it on your iPhone? You can. You want to send email? You just email them. You just send tasks that get flow in the email. They handle it. figures out what to do. You just send it an email. You just type out an email. You don't even need to use an app. Right. Which is it's good re- for like the CEO types that, oh, I don't get how to use an app. <laughs> you know, they, just type the e- they just type the email. They, they're good at email. They just type an email and it does it. Well, and, and there's even a little cloud thing that sits up in your uh, in your in your menu bar on your Mac. Yeah, they got a beta thing where you can enter from the Mac, but it's a very polished app. I, I've looked at a lot of these apps. I think on the face of it, uh, you could look at this, and it it will it might remind some people of a very popular Mac productivity app. Um, but it's it's I think they've I think they've done something kind of special here. I think they've taken what is uh, what is becoming a fairly mature. Um, Space. I mean, I think things are shaking out. So there's a couple people who are kind of have moved out front in the Mac and uh, especially Mac productivity space. But this, like, you know, this is web based. This doesn't need to sync. This is kind of a cool thing for people who don't like dealing with the syncing stuff. This is a very polished web app, and it is an iPhone app. But the beauty part is, like you say, is it's. Uh, I shouldn't name names, but I'll tell you what this really reminds me of in some ways. A little bit is Stick It. It reminds me of a cross between Stick It, like a 37 Signals app, and. Uh, and some popular remember Mac stick it that was such a neat, uh, stick neat it was idea. the best that was rail rail Dornfest did yeah. that it was the best but remember how you could and you know how like in a lot of the 37 signals apps they make it easy to like reply to things with comments and stuff like that i love the fact that they're they're not going overboard in flow to get you into some kind of like a gtd system what they're basically saying is there's a stack of things that we have to do that can be in different piles and involve different people in different ways which i think is a very unusual approach 
um, of combining some, some of the most interesting best practices of productivity stuff and combining it with a team thing that doesn't get too heavyweight. And that is so much harder to do than it sounds. So, for example, you can delegate a task to somebody. You can go create a task, and I guess it defaults to your task. I've only played with this for a couple hours, but I've, I've really enjoyed it. So, like with you, I go in and I create a task, and I can, I can delegate it to, the, to you, or I can just suggest that you follow the task. And so it just becomes part of the river, and it becomes, you know what I mean? So you can, you can choose whether you're really passing something off to somebody, a la a waiting on and getting things done. And then, like you say, Dan, you can have comments and attachments. If you're doing design stuff, this is so helpful to just drop a screenshot in or something like that. But it's weird because it's really powerful, but it's also very lightweight. It, it never feels like there's too much stuff going on. It's very lightweight. And, lightweight is a great way to describe it. Things stay out of your way. Lightweight's tricky because I don't want you to think there's not functionality because there's a lot of there's a lot of functionality in here. The email thing is great though. Did I get this right, Dan? That if you just respond to an email, like it sends it as a comment to that task. Isn't it genius? That's because they great. know that there's there's a lot of people who do stuff with email, and that's where they want to stay. They're in their email app all day. They have, they're not following inbox zero, obviously. <laughs> well, it's just I think this is what made Stick it so interesting back in the day was the acknowledging that everything touches email. Not even just eventually, but really frequently. And if you don't acknowledge that, if your if your app sees email as simply a bolt on, it can it might be a tough tough road to hoe. It's certainly going to be it's not going to make it a bad thing, but it's going to be something that limits its functionality for a lot of people who do live primarily in email. And so you know, instead, why not bring the mountain to Muhammad? And I, I think that's what they that's what they've done here. I've been really impressed by this. Um, so it's uh, getflow.com. And uh, do we have, do we don't have a coupon for that? Do we? I did not receive a coupon. Oh. But you should go there and sign up. It's 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 really swell, and you can still. Um, I, I believe now. Did you have an account when I had delegated you a task? I did not have one that on the email address that you used to send me. So I was I was in the clear. Wow, that's pretty cool. It's a really neat app. So GitFlow by um, Metal Labs. Uh, it's a, it's a beautiful app. I'm going to spend some more. Well, I want to spend enough time with it that I'll actually have some tips for you. But uh, I, I thought it was just beautiful and very polished. If you're one of those kind of design nerds and you don't like funky-looking apps, you're going to love this because it is absolutely not funky-looking. <laughs> that's, that's not what they told us to say. No, that's not their actual... Yeah. That's not oh, oh a, you know, you can email, too. You can email tasks to it. Did you know that? <laughs> yes, have you tried that? I have tried that. Hmm. Did you actually try literally emailing a task to it? Did you, have you tried that? It was a unique task. If you send it to – no, I'm, I know we're talking about the comments, but did you get that you can actually send it to like tasks at getflow.com? Yes. I, did you just read that or did you really try it? I really tried it. Delegate it to me. I don't All believe right. you. Right. I think you're making it up. Not making it up. We'll do it. I think you're playing fast and loose with the Wilkinsons. You don't want to do that. That is true. But mm. that's is that it for our show this week? Wow, it's kind of abrupt. Well, we're, we're way over. Yeah. 93, 93 minutes with, until we edit that stuff out in the middle. 93 minutes. That's a lot to ask of our listeners. I make a lot of time for you every week, Dan. And then you I've, me down. I've been seeing you tweets that people listen to this to help them fall asleep. Shame on you. That's, that's, are you kidding me? To fall asleep? Now that we're I in the 90-minute territory. Oh, for the love of Christ. You know what? You think we help people this week, Dan? I think the first 60 minutes. I mean, yeah, of course. Wow. We didn't even get to Richard A. No, we'll have to do Richard A uh, next week. You know what I think, Dan Benjamin? I think, I, think, I think this is a springboard episode. 
Ah, I like those. This is where people will, will just like in most of the episodes of The Sopranos, third season, they really are just setting everything in motion for maybe one big episode later. Oh, so this is like our Snow Leopard? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's okay. I got to go do a maintenance release. Love you too. Love you too. What? I love you. <laughs> love you too.